As we enter into the Upper Room Discourse of the Book of John, we come up with a new commandment that Jesus leaves us with. So what is so new about the new commandment? Stick around and find out. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we greet you in Christ and welcome you to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with teacher, Pastor Emeritus, Phil Howard. Our time today takes us back to the book of John. We turn our attention towards this new commandment that Jesus leaves us with. If you'll join us, we're here in John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. The new commandment Jesus leaves us with is very important. Here's Pastor Phil with more. Love people in the body of Christ, believers. This isn't saying love the world this way. If it doesn't start with us, it's not going to go out to the world. The light that shines furthest shines brightest at home. I can't stand my wife and I hate my kids, but let me tell you about Jesus. He, he, love, he could save you. Wait, wait, you can't stand your wife, hate your kids. Yeah, yeah, I can't stand people, but I love Jesus with all my heart. No, you don't. You're a liar, according to 1 John. You can't know the Son and not love his children. Love as I have loved. That's the new measurement. And I, uh, I think it's a risky thing uh, I think much of the Christianity I grew up with in my early days, uh, the groups I was with, always measured your uh, relationship with God by what you didn't do. You know, we used to quote the little line, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. Well, good, good, good. At least your teeth are clean. But it was, you don't do this, you don't do that. And you don't do this, and you don't do that. Wait, I'm going to ask you, what's the one thing you started doing? And he said, if you know me, you start loving my children. You start loving my family. You start loving one another. Have you ever heard of a church split? Do you think that was in the will of God? Fuss and fight over so many things. We've got to contend for this spirit of loving. Because one of the great dangers the Ephesian church fell in, and it's a tough balance. It's not easy what I'm going to say. He said to them, you hate the teachings of the Nicolaitans, which thing I also hate. But your problem is not what you hate, it's you've quit loving me as your first love. And uh, I went to uh, some wonderful schools, but I, I, uh, I wound up going to a school in this area that were uh, non-ecumenical, would not support Billy Graham. They just disagree with the way he did it. And I think on many of the issues, they were right. Uh, they were separatist Baptists, strict Baptists, God's people, wonderful people, but strict uh, don't want to have any part of this. And they, they always had a list of 
who you couldn't be with, what you couldn't support. And then I went to a seminary that was stricter than them. It was a Bob Jones of the West Coast. I didn't know that. Strict, strict, strict. And don't do this, can't do that. And in their battle and quest for truth as they saw it, and for uh, uh, issues that many of them, I feel, they were right on. In the middle of it, they became known as scrappers, critical, uh, non-attractive, because they were known for what they were against and never known for what they were for. There are some folks that don't like John MacArthur. You know why? You don't have to guess where he's at. And in the day of fluff, fluff, and I think I have an opinion, he gets up, boom, that's what it says. Well, you could have said it with more love. Truth doesn't need love. It just needs to be said. Truth in love. Put the truth before the love. Ephesians 4. Don't tell me a lie in the name of love. You don't love me, honey, when you're lying to me. Love tells the truth. It's too deep for some of you. That's okay. I want the truth. Don't lie to me in the name of love. Tell me the truth. And so people will hear him say, where's the love? What does the love say? Where's the truth? And we're in a day when we fight error, when we want to defend ourselves against falsehood and bad doctrines and bad teachings and God knows everything's blowing through the church now and some of you don't have enough discernment to know what's right and what's wrong. Well, leaders don't have that luxury. We got to stand up. What is the truth? Declare it with conviction. Preach the word without apology. But in that, the battle is while you're telling the truth, be loving the people. Be loving. That balance is a a tough balance because you can go either way. I'm so loving I won't ever address hard issues. I won't ever tell what the... I won't ever practice church discipline because we're too loving. You're more loving than God. God practices it. God put it in his word. Don't tell me you love as much as God. You're a coward to do his word. His word before your sentimentality. I ain't afraid of you. I'm preaching. I'm not afraid. Uh-uh. I feel as bold as a lion when I'm telling you the truth. Because truth is enough for a boat. Truth is true. I didn't start a local church to be a politician and get along with every person who attends. I said, I want to get along with God, and I want to preach this Bible. And if you show it in the Bible, I'm going to preach it. And even if they throw me out and we close up, so be it. I went down preaching the truth. It's on God. It's on God. So the measurement is Christ. I'll say two things. We don't have time to develop them. Two things required to do the new commandment is the new birth. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. He said, unless you've been born of God, you can't love like God loves. So we know the new commandment requires a new birth because it's not in man to love. And uh, we just, we have to have a new nature. God's got to do a work in our heart. 
because we're self-centered and for me by nature, but a part of the new nature and the new birth that has is it makes us love those in the family. I'd say the fourth thing, that I don't have time to develop it, is it requires a new power. The men in the room didn't have the power to obey the command, so they had to wait in the upper room until the Spirit came. And so you see Galatians 5, walk in the Spirit, and the first thing we'll see is you will love, have joy, have peace. We are spirit animated people, spirit-empowered people, and the first obvious evidence of that power ought to be the way we love. The way we love. Not what gift we have, not all the power we claim. You need the power of God to love people because they're not lovely all the time. They're not lovely all the time. Even your kids that's what Deborah was saying. I need the love of God just to love my kids. Well, you need the Spirit of God, according to Ephesians, just to love your wife. And she could be the best woman in town. But the problem's not with her. The problem's with you. You didn't say she did anything to fail. So you need the Spirit-filled life just to love your wife like Christ loves the church. You could smooch on her and tell her to fix you a meal, but you haven't loved her like Christ yet. Any pagan likes to kiss. Are you willing to stoop? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to sacrifice? That's all right. Go ahead and go Presbyterian. Be quiet. I don't care. Uh, Amens get weak on it because you're under conviction. Verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples because you will be Baptists. Oh, you gotta, you'll be Presbyterian at least. Pentecostal. Oh, I don't know that they know God. Oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. Did he say you look for labels? Who will you love? And he said, I'm going to give the world a credential to evaluate every Christian fellowship. And it will be the credential of an observable love. If they can't find that, they have no right to call us Christians. That's what Jesus said. Look, by this, all men would know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, wait a minute. Aren't unsaved men blind? Aren't unsaved men not moved by the gospel? Absolutely. They can't see truth. They don't know if you're a Calvinist or an Arminian. They care less. They don't know if you're a pre-trib, post-trib, or mixed-up trib. They don't know what your position is. He said, I'm going to tell you, world, judge my people. And the first thing you look for is not where they are theologically, and that's what you look for a church for. You know what? I've been with some churches that cut it straight that I don't want to attend. They're as cold as a refrigerator, and they're dead right. And I don't want to be in a cemetery. I want to be where I can sense like I'm being loved. I want to be loved. Now, some of you don't. Because you got all your needs met. Just give me a sermon, and my biggest criteria is get me out on time. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book, The Church Before the Watching World. 
And he had a chapter called The Marks of a Christian. And he said, two things a watching world must see in the church. One is an observable love, and two, an observable purity. That if we don't take doctrine and theology serious, we will go into liberalism, deny the deity of Christ, the inspiration of scriptures, and they must see that we are contenders for the truth. We will not sell out truth. We must see purity in the church, and that's why they must see discipline. But they must see an observable love. They don't need the Holy Spirit to see this. They don't even need to own a Bible. They just come and say, what makes you guys act this way with one another? Say, you act a little weird. You say, you mean we act like we love each other? Yeah, I'm not used to that. I'll give you a few illustrations. I've told the story before about an Edwin who works as a teamster, works with some rough men, some rough places, and gets around some very rough circumstances. I remember one time he came, whatever context it was, I greeted him, I think I hugged him, and at first, in the hug, he kind of was a little reserved, kind of like Mark, you know, and, uh, but we're chilling him out. And, and so he just kind of, he, he was a little, and he just kind of, wait, 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 pastor, wait. I said, wait, what, what's going on? He said, you got to let me transition. I've been with whoremongers, druggies, pornographers, thieves, and guys that want to beat me up any day on the dock. That's just the environment. And want my job. And then I come and I see you and you put a hug on me. I'm not quite ready to receive that. I've been defending myself all day. I've been surviving among alligators all day. And now you want to love me. You want to hug me? There's a difference. See, when I come here, nobody wants to hurt me. When I come here, I'm accepted. When I come here, I feel loved. There's nothing like that all week on the job. I had a single woman tell me one time. She said, I find it a delight to go to your church. Nobody's trying to hit on me. I said, what, honey? She said, nobody's trying to hit on me. I, uh, you go out, and said, some churches I've been to, they try to do that, and uh, of course, if I was out at a singles bar, I mean, it's a one-night stand. Everybody's, I, I come here, I, I, and she said, I just feel safe. I feel safe. And uh, I told her, you are. Tell the elders if anybody tries to hit on you, and we will hit on them. <laughs> We're here to protect. I mean it. If you're a womanizer in this flock, we're going to find you out and we're going to kick you out unless you repent. You cannot be hitting on our women without us putting up a protest. When I'm having these surgeries, Grant's, you know, my bodyguard in the first service. That's why no one shake hands with me. They're afraid of him. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, every two or three days, come by the house, want to empty the trash, uh, want to take my trash containers to the curb. He knew the day the garbage men came. He'd come down. He said, I want to take those out and put them at the curb. And uh, he came so much, he thought he was trying to move in. <laughs> and he said, 
Enough, Grant, enough. See, he's stoical by makeup. He just thinks, cerebral. But he said, I can show you my love. I can sacrifice. I can stoop. I can serve. One of our finest deacons, he'll do anything it takes in this church to make it happen. Anything. Nothing too dirty, nothing too bad. I'll do it. Don't wait for him to hug you. It's going to be a long wait, honey. But he'll stoop. I think we've got a sister down here been dealing with sickness. Dealing with a difficult assignment at this time. And I just was out in the foyer in the first service and Catherine was there. She starts telling me all about my sister and said, boy, all the sisters are trying to help me. We want to bring meals. We want to call. We want to do this and we want to do that. And the gal talking to me is a survivor of breast cancer that's barely survived, lost her breast, fought cancer for years. She's out in the first service. She'll be out there serving your coffee, setting up, putting the donuts out, and trying to help somebody and telling you how wonderful the God that came and rescued her, even with cancer, is. We have no right not to be showing each other love. No right. It doesn't matter what your color, your social status, your gender. This ought to be the safest place in town where you feel the love of God. We would serve. We would help. We, yesterday in our elders meeting and then the deacons, uh, a report was given to us of all the agape money being distributed so far this year. And what was our total? So far, we've given out 42000 and we're not bragging, but at least our people have had a place to go when they couldn't pay the rent, when they couldn't pay the utilities, when they couldn't buy the food. At least you people, you helped them. You helped them. We don't budget the agape fund. People just put it in there because they want to help. Let me ask you a question. Are you good advertisement for Jesus? Can they see the love of God coming through you? McGee told how he grew up with a widowed mother. His father was killed in a cotton gin accident when he was a boy. He went to work early to support his widowed mother. But he grew up with an uncle and two aunts. The uncle was an unsaved drinker. One of the aunts was a Presbyterian. The other aunt was a Baptist. He said, as he grew up, every Sunday the aunts would come over and they'd all have dinner together. And he said, usually for the lunch we had fried Presbyterian and fried Baptist. <laughs> the one aunt would be ripping on everything wrong with the Baptist. The other's ripping on everything she like about the Presbyterians. And they would have this whole menu at lunch of what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Eventually, the uncle... He's in the hospital and he's dying. And uh, McGee goes to see his uncle and one of the aunts are there. And she said to McGee, uh, why doesn't he come to Christ? And he makes a comment. We cannot, 
win a lost world being Christian cannibals, devouring one another. Until you see your brother and sister as a fellow struggler and not the enemy, maybe you'll make enough excuses from now on for why you don't love. Well, they disappointed me there. They will hang out. We will too. But Jesus won't. And Jesus is the model. Jesus is the power. Every man in this room is going to disappoint him. And he's going to turn them into leaders of his church. Going to give them the Holy Spirit. And it's going to see they're born again. Because he didn't give up on you just because you failed him. Why do you give up so easy on a brother and sister? They're just human and frail just like you. And do you come to church to find criticism or to find healing among mutually forgiven sinners? And we ought to recognize each other. Hey, did you meet him too? Yeah. Did he forgive you? He sure did. What else? Did he give you the spirit? He sure did. And I can't stand you. No, no, no. I, I just think of, of Peter going down to Cornelius' house and uh, hear this first Gentile, this Italian boy that's with the Roman legions in Palestine. And, and Peter gets down there, and as soon as he puts faith in Christ and is baptized, as Peter leaves, says, well, I'm never going to love you, you know, because you're a Gentile. Besides that, you're really bad. You're Italian. <laughs> Would that have been a wonderful testimony? Or was it the prejudicial, Gentile-hating boy named Peter had been changed. He said, Cornelius, God told me, the sheet came down and nothing's unclean. I can have dinner with you. I can have you in my home. We're all too uh, isolated. The reason you don't know folks in this church, you haven't gone out of your way to know them. Uh, I've had spells uh, through the years of pastoring, sometimes I get feeling lonely, or, oh, I, I tell Carolyn, oh, I feel kind of lonely. I don't feel quite as lonely with 11 grandchildren, but, you know, I used to. And, and I said, man, I just feel uh, melancholic, and I don't feel like I could know anyone, and, and uh, 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 uh. they call them pity parties. And every time, the only cure for it was, for me, to invite you out. God would say, do something about it. You call. You ask to get together. But what if they accept the invitation? <laughs> they dirty dishes. It costs to be with people. I wouldn't dare want to say, I feel in a slump, and I actually thought I could feel the love of God if I get with you. My cure for being in slumps has never been to judge you on whether you're loving me. It's always come back. Are you loving them? God hasn't commanded you to be loved. He's commanded you to love. Well, as we come to the close of our time today, here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program, a question about your own relationship with Christ. Maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. 
Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org online or call. The phone number is 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And one other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times since ministries all over the world are actually suffering, and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry. Whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or, again, call 855-833-9864. Or you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today.